Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day.
Great job. What a good song that is, huh? We have to put our trust in him, you know. Not things are always going to go our way every day. Boy, he's always going to, we're going to get challenged each and every day. Especially as he tries to advance his kingdom here. How's everybody doing tonight, all right? Better now, Better now right? The devil will always try to put you in a state of mind where you can't get the message. This is what happens. He's always trying to steal, kill, and destroy. So we can't get it. We have to put it aside and understand. It goes way beyond how we feel and it goes to our faith. And we have to put it aside. Amen? So we can get what we need to get. So we can overcome that stuff. The devil, he's, he's always on us. He never gives up. All right, let's go to Philippians chapter 4 before we get started with our study. We're going to start in verse 4. Wait a minute to get settled in. Now the, the Spirit is going to take over. Please just be attentive to everybody. Try not to distract anybody. We're getting what they need to get tonight. Amen? Okay. Verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Verse 5, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Not soon enough, right? <laughs> Don't worry about anything. Now, somebody's worrying tonight, I can tell. Or somebody's got fear. This is for you. This is for all of us. The scriptures speak. God gives us the scriptures when we need to. Instead of worrying, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What do you mean as you live in Christ Jesus? What? As you live by the word of God. That's exactly what that means. As you live in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Verse 9. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So what is it saying? We're going to put into practice everything that we're learning here. If we don't put it into practice, we lose it. The Bible tells you, you lose everything that I taught you, and you're going to start all over again. So now we have to put it into practice. It tells you not to worry about anything. It tells you to pray and to think about things that are pure and lovely. You know what goes through our thoughts in the course of a day. It's not always pure thoughts going in there. But it tells us to fix your thoughts on what is true. You have to fix them. They don't, it's not a natural thing to fix our thoughts on things that are spiritual and heavenly. We fix our thoughts on problems and issues all the time. 
It tells us to fix our thoughts. We have to what? Use the power of God and fix our thoughts on the things that are righteous and true and godly. Or else we're going to start thinking of the things of what? The world. And all the cares of the world. So these are things that don't happen by osmosis. These are things we have to keep practicing. When the devil comes in and he puts doubt in your mind, say, no, I'm not worrying about it. I'm going to stop praying about everything. I'm thinking about the good things that God's doing in my life. Like delivering me from myself. Which I could never do before. Never mind praying for deliverance for someone else. Pray for deliverance for your flesh. Because we all have a strong flesh that wants to take over all the time. And that's what he's delivering us from. We need that. When you come to church in the flesh, and there's problems of the day, it's very hard to get what God wants to give you in the spirit. Very, very, and the devil will do that on purpose. Just to distract you. As a mature believer, you have to say, no, I'm putting it aside. I need to get fed so I can overcome this. Amen. You have to actually put it into practice. Or else it will never happen. The devil will always try to get into our thought process and make us angry. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. Once you're angry, all bets are off to get a spiritual message. You can't even hear the Bible. You can't even hear it. It blocks it all out. Right? Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. <laughs> Who needs some love tonight? This is the kind of love we need right now. All right. First Corinthians chapter 13. We're getting this down pretty good, aren't we? All right, verse 4. Ready? Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth gains out. Love never loses, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Amen. That's how much God loves you and loves me tonight. I'm hoping you're not keeping record of wrongs. Are you keeping score? Because God doesn't keep score with us. Imagine He forgives us everything. Thought, word, and deed. How many of us sinned today? God forgave it. Did you forgive someone that sinned against you today? If you're not, you're going to be miserable. You're going to hold things against people and be miserable. When you come to church, you come to church knowing that you need to have the Spirit of God with you when you come to church, so people can see that. We have to what? Fix our thoughts on that. I don't know about you, but I had a hard day today. Everything went, everything was going crazy everywhere. Trying to distract me, but you know what? Joy in the Lord is my strength, not what's going on in the world or in my life. Amen? All right. Let's go to the book of John. Cheer up. This ain't our permanent home, and whatever's going on in your life is only for a season, and God's going to work it out for good for you. If you love God and are called according to His purpose. So if you love God and called according to His purpose, whatever's going on in your life, He's going to work it all out for good. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, right? He does for us what we can never do for ourselves. <laughs> Thank God. 
Thank you, Jesus, right? All right. Last week, we went through the book of um, John chapter 9, but there's a couple of things that I want to, before we go on to John um, chapter 10, that I want to talk about that um, that I didn't see, that I, that I didn't talk about last week, that I want to talk about a little bit this week. Okay, is everybody paying attention now? Yep. All right. Remember when Jesus told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam? He put the mud on his eyes and everything. Okay. So does anybody know what the, where the pool of Siloam came from? Hezekiah made made the pool of Siloam. King Hezekiah built that that the pool of Siloam, and it was underground. Let me let me find it. I wanted to share this with you. Because when I see it, okay. The pool of Siloam was built by Hezekiah. His work is constructed an underground tunnel from a spring outside the city walls to carry water into the city. Okay? Thus the people could always get water without fear of being attacked. This was especially important during the times of siege. Like in 2 Kings 20, verse um, 20 and verse 2 and Chronicles 32, 30. While the Pharisees conducted investigations and debated about Jesus, people were being healed and lives were being changed. Remember the Pharisees kept questioning him. How did he heal you? What did he do? They seen the miracles, but they wouldn't come to believe in Jesus. And he did it. You notice he did a lot of healing on the Sabbath. To show them that the Sabbath was you, the Sabbath was a day of rest, but not a, not rest for you don't have you can't work like a law. Jesus said, "Can I not do good on the Sabbath? If your if your if your donkey falls in the ditch on the Sabbath, do you let him die, or do you go pull him out?" They were a bunch of hypocrites because they were doing they were doing circumcision on the Sabbath, and they were just trying to trip Jesus up all along. Amen. And, he, and the devil's always trying to fill us with doubt and fear. How many of us will fill the doubt and fear today? Did everything go perfect for everybody today? How many of you couldn't wait to come to Bible study tonight? Because <laughs> we know this is where the look. Once you find, once you find, once you find life, you know that you ain't gonna find this anywhere else. You're never going to find it out in the world. You can go watch the game. You can go do this, watch TV, look for money, try to invest. That doesn't do it. That doesn't fix anything. This is the only, the word of God is what feeds our hungry souls. Amen? Amen. Our hungry souls never satisfied out in the world. It only gets satisfied through the word of God. Amen? <laughs> he called the Pharisees blind, right? He says, you calling us blind? He said, well, if you, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Remember? <laughs> Let's go to um, verse 35. And we're going to come down. Thirty-four. They threw the guy. They called him a total sinner because he was telling them if this man. In verse thirty-three, he said, "If this man was not from God, he couldn't have done it because only God could heal the blind. Nobody could ever do it." So the, the, the Pharisees were calling Jesus a sinner. He said, I don't know if he's a sinner. He says, how can a sinner? God doesn't listen to sinners. Look at verse 35. When Jesus heard what happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? 
The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Yes, Lord. You have seen him. Verse 37. Jesus said, And he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. How could he not say, how could he not believe it when he, the guy was blind? You know, we were talking about this. How could he not believe it? How could you not believe that Jesus saved you when you're, if you look back at your life before you found him, the way you were and the way you are today? How could you deny that it was Jesus? How could you deny that he was God in the flesh? Because without Jesus, you can't find God. Everybody tries to find him through another way. Now look at verse 39. Then Jesus told him, Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. You got people in church that know the Bible from A to Z, but they're blind. Why are they blind? Because if you know the Bible from A to Z, not only do you know the Bible, but you become the Bible. You become the Bible. You end up living like Jesus lived on this world. That's, but if you're blind, all you do is see the scriptures. You cannot actually produce anything from it. Unless you're born again. If you're born again, you could actually apply all this to your life. How many of you are trying to apply this to their life today? Every day you try to get up and try to apply this to your life. Something puts a desire in you to want to do that, right? Instead, If you still have desires to satisfy your own sinful nature, you have to say, what spirit is operating in me? I thought I knew the Bible from A to Z. What am I doing with my life now? Am I glorifying God with my life? Or am I still serving myself with my life? Am I looking for my best life here? Let me tell you something. When Jesus saves you, he takes you out of that life and gives you a new life that serves and honors him. And that's a process. Because you'll never be comfortable serving yourself if you're a born-again Christian. And that's why you see a lot of miserable Christians in church. Because they're still serving themselves and they're wondering why. Oh, because you're not walking with Jesus, you're walking with yourself. You're not suffering any persecution. You're getting blessed by the devil because he's blinding you. Alright, let's go to chapter 10. This is... This is this is an awesome chapter. Are you ready for this? I love I love Book of John is really good, isn't it? It's full of grace and truth. All right. Let me just get this up over here. John chapter 10. The good shepherd and his sheep. Verse 1. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, 
and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. And I'm going to expand on this. Just let me keep reading, okay? Pay attention. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Or will find safety. They will come and go freely. And will find good pastures. Look at verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, my question to you is, are you living a rich and satisfying life in Christ right now? Or are you living a rich and satisfying life in your flesh? Because when you serve Jesus... You're going to suffer persecution. People are going to come up against you. But my sheep hear my voice. You know you're doing the will of God so you can be joyful in it. Knowing that you're doing the right thing. Knowing you're doing. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Which the devil does before you end up coming to church. He tries to steal, kill, and destroy so you don't get the message you need to get from the gate. He tries to keep us out of the gate. Amen? Yeah. We have to understand that. Now, let me expand on that a little bit. Who wants a rich and satisfying life? I definitely do. But you're never going to find it in the flesh. Not a born-again believer. Not a born-again believer. A born-again believer don't want what the world has anymore. Don't want anything to do with the world anymore. They don't have to be in it, but not of it. They don't want anything to do a true believer and born-again Christian wants nothing to do with this world system. Nothing. Nothing to do with it. And God takes it off us and we gladly give it up. The thief or the people that come to church that say that they're born again and not, will go into the world and operate in the world and nobody will know the difference between them and a, and a, a non-believer. There's no way that a born-again believer can live comfortably in this world system. That's a fact. Or want anything to do with it. If anything, they want to take people out of it. And into the word system. But the flesh is strong. There's people that believe in Jesus. That's all they do is believe in him, but they don't use him for anything. They don't use the name. They don't use the power. They just, what, glorify themselves with it. Now, let me just talk about these first few scriptures in, in John chapter 10. At night, okay, sheep were often gathered into a sheepfold. This is why he uses these illustrations. Let's explain it so we can understand it. To protect them from thieves. Remember David? He was a what? Shepherd, right? 
He protected the sheep with his life. Right? Didn't he? Yeah. That's what Jesus did. He, he laid down his life for the sheep. Look what it says. Often gathered sheep to protect them from thieves, weather, or wild animals. The sheepfolds were caves, sheds, or open areas surrounded by walls made of stones or branches. The shepherd often slept across the doorway of the fold to protect the sheep. Just as a shepherd cares for his sheep, Jesus, the good shepherd, cares for his flock, those who follow him. Listen, Jesus protects the flock who follow him. Look, when you get out of the sheepfold and follow the world system, you're not getting protection from Jesus. Don't fool yourself just by coming to church. When you get a, if you're not following Jesus when you're out of here, you're, under, you're not under God's protection when you're out of here. You have to follow him. He's the one who protects us. Now listen. The prophet Ezekiel, okay, the good shepherd cares for his flock. The prophet Ezekiel, in predicting the coming of the Messiah, called him a shepherd. Ezekiel 34, verse 23. In the sheepfold, the shepherd functioned as a gate. Okay? Letting the sheep in and protecting them. Jesus is the gate to God's salvation for us. Okay? He offers access to safety and security. Christ is our protector. Some people resent that Jesus is the gate. Okay? The only way of access to God. But Jesus is God's son. Okay? Why should we seek any other way or want to customize a different approach to God? In contrast to the thief who takes life, Jesus gives life, right? The thief's purpose in 10.10 is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus gives life. The life he gives right now is abundantly rich and full. It is eternal, yet it begins immediately. Life in Christ is lived on a higher plane because of his overflowing forgiveness, love, and guidance. Have you taken Christ's offer of life? Listen. When you... When you when you come to church, you love Jesus, right? We all love Jesus. When you leave church, do you love Jesus enough to say no to yourself and yes to him? What did you do for Christ today? Or what did you do for yourself? You know in the course of the day who you live for. And what you live for. Do you live to satisfy your own sin nature? Or do you live to satisfy your new nature in Christ? Ask yourself that question. How many of us have a strong flesh in here. How many of us have a, a strong sin nature? How strong, you know how strong it is when you try to say no to it, right? You never knew how strong your sin nature was till you try to say no to it. Look, unless, unless you're following Jesus, you'll never be able to say no to it. You'll still be greedy, full of self-indulgence, still what? Wanting to escape from the world, still want what pleases you, Look, I don't know about you, but the things I do for Jesus don't please my flesh. They crucify it. They crucify my flesh. It's not about money anymore when I wake up in the morning. It's not about how much money I can earn today. It's how much I can live in Christ today and say no to that and say I just to meet my needs every day, right? Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our trespasses, our daily bread. The world is full of greed, bless you, greed and self-indulgence and never satisfied. Never have enough money. Always wondering where the next dollar is going to come from. Always looking to make more. Put money in the bank. Oh, money is God still. Not willing to lay that aside for the benefit of others. Saying, you know what? Who cares about money? You can't take money with you. Jesus saved us from money. He saved us from money. So we don't need money anymore. All we need is him. There's people that actually gave... Remember the girl? This, this put a penny. She, Jesus said she gave everything she had. And she'll be recognized forever. She said, so all she had was a penny. She gave it. There's people that think because they give big amounts of money that oh, God's happy with them. If you think about how much they really have and how much they really give, it's not really that much, even though it looks like a lot of money. It's all in the matter of the heart. It's all in the matter of the heart. How much you want his kingdom to advance and grow. He's the one. Listen, I'm the one who gives the message. That's why you come here to hear the message, right? You know the sheep hear his voice, right? You know you're hearing truth when you come here. Because all I'm doing is reading the scripture to you. Most churches have nice bands and everything going and have a systematic form of, of worship and theology that they follow. Instead of just saying, I'm going to let the Bible speak to me. Through a verse and through scripture that I can understand and go home and read and understand. And not be, and not be encapsulated by one thing. Being open-minded. Jesus died to keep us open-minded. I see Christians so closed-minded and hard-hearted about their structure. Instead of saying, I need the structure of Jesus. I need to be loving and caring and open to what? New ideas and promises from God. Religion hardens people and closes them to anything. Any new teaching, anything good. and every, it's, Jesus came to destroy all religion. Destroy all religion. And that we can, this, this ministry destroys all religion. We don't practice any systematic theology, no dispensations, no nothing but what's in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It doesn't matter what time this, that. This is, right now, it's time he's talking to us. People are so deceived by human teaching that they don't let God speak to them in the Bible. They got to go to a commentary or a theology book. As a matter of fact, Paul was going to be the chief Pharisee. Remember, he was killing Christians. He knew the Bible. He he was a theologian expert from Gamila. He was a Pharisee, and that's what you get today in the churches with theologians, Pharisees. Who think they're higher and mighty than everybody else. They want to get honored and glorified at the pulpit. Instead of serving the sheep. And they're being deceived. And closed minded. And the churches are full of infections like that. People honoring people. Instead of worshiping Christ. Which is the word of life. Amen. And you see it on the people's faces. The ones who do that. Guess what? We don't do that here. Right? It's just simple. People that think they're so smart, they can't find Jesus. Pharisees, they couldn't find him. I know my Bible in and out. Yeah, but you don't know Jesus because you can't live one eye out of it. When you leave here, you live for yourself. 
What do you do for the ministry when you leave here? Do you represent it properly? Do you, you honor the people that serve in it? Do you think anything of them when you're not here? That's how you know that this is everything to you. Other than that, don't come up and tell me that you're saved because you come to church. Now, the Spirit saves you and gives you a new life and a new purpose. And you start to follow the, you start to follow it. And you start to change. This information causes a transformation that you become like Jesus and you stop being self-indulgent and greedy and selfish. There's no way it can't happen. There's no way it can't happen. The Spirit of God comes in you and He just nudges you. Every time you do something for yourself, you start getting like, <laughs> everything for yourself. And you know what? It makes you miserable. Everything you do for yourself makes you miserable and you're never satisfied. You think that it's going to satisfy you, but you're never satisfied. You're always looking for something else. You can tell. You can tell. I can tell when Christians come to church. They've been living for themselves. When you're living for God, let me tell you something. You're happy you come to church. Because you know you're doing the right thing living for Jesus. Even though you're going to suffer down here for a season. All right. I love the Bible. The Bible doesn't make people look good. The Bible shows us how bad we are. And that's why when I start preaching and I start cutting you up and, I, and people start getting like, I can see the faces. And, and they get mad at God. They're getting mad at God because they ain't worshiping God. They're worshiping the devil. That's why they're all lemon fake. Mm, that's, that's the devil in them. Because Jesus brings them relief. And he brings them discomfort if they're living in this in, in, um, in their own world. And I praise God because this, this church is always going to preach truth. And if you don't like it, then you can leave. Because I'm not here to please anybody. I'm here to give truth and honor God. And I don't get paid to do it. And it's going to say it here, the hired hand runs when the problems come. Look, watch. Let's just read Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. I love Jesus. How many times he says I am? I'm going to count. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. King David, right? He was a perfect example. of He protected the sheep with his life. Right? And when they were looking for a king, that was the last person they were looking for. That's how blind they were. That's how blind they were. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. I don't know how many pastors in churches that walk away or leave or retire the flock and just abandon them. Say, I'm moving. What Bible do you read in? No, you, you die with the flock. You never leave. You never retire. A hired hand will. I'm not making enough money. I'm getting better, better money down in Texas. I'm going down to Texas and serve. Never belong to God. Never. Never. My wife will tell you, man, I lay my life down for this. I deny myself for this. 
all the pleasures of the world. Moses, right, had all the pleasures of the world. He chose to suffer with his people than to serve in pleasures of sin for a season. Are you willing to do that for your flock? I'm not the only one. We're all part of this. We're all part of this. Do you lay your life down for the benefit of Can you be reached when you need it? Are you there for your brothers and sisters? Or can't be found. I shut my phone off. My sheep hear my voice. Look what it says. And he isn't the shepherd. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money. And doesn't really care about the sheep. You know how many churches that they don't care about the sheep? They care about the money more than they care about the sheep. Paul says, I ain't taking no money. Because I don't want anybody to think I'm in it for the money. That's why he did it. So Because that's what people think, you know. That's what people think. Well, I don't have any money. I'm not in it for the money. Your money, <laughs> your money can't save me. I go to work and make my own money. And you know what? That brings me satisfaction of a job well done. My satisfaction is in heaven. God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You sacrificed your life for me. And for my people. Am I looking for honor from people? No. It really doesn't matter who thanks me or who doesn't. God says, you go do it. I called you to do it. You know. You know God calls you. And then when you go live your own way, you live miserable. God makes you miserable. You're miserable now. You're never satisfied. Always changing and moving and this and that. Never can just stay and sit at the foot of the cross and see what Jesus wants with you. Never. Always looking to do something different instead of just sitting there and listening to his voice. Look at this in verse 14. I am the good shepherd and I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. And he says, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. That are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. Why? Do you see churches together like that? One flock with one shepherd? Why? Nope. They're not of God. Because they're called denominations. Denominations are not from God. Denominations are from this world. And this world is divided because of it. The church is divided because of denominations. There is no denominations in the Bible. If all the churches operated from Genesis to Revelation, we would all be in unity. There would be no separation. But they don't go by this. They go by systematic theology and what they learned in Bible college. And then they made the synagogue of Satan. Exactly. Is what you get from it. People living their own way. Never getting delivered from anything. Saying I'm saved and going to heaven. This Bible ain't all for me. It's for, you know, just this part of it's for me. This part that I can keep sinning and loving it. People can twist this book. Okay. To their own destruction. 
And that's what they did with Paul's message about God's grace. They twisted yeah. his grace message, saying it's a license to yeah. sin and do whatever you want to their own destruction. And you see Christians. You never know if they were a Christian when they're not here. Because because their conscience has been seared with a hot iron saying, I'm going to heaven anyway, it doesn't matter. Lies. You ain't going nowhere. The only evidence that you're saved is a changed life. That's the only evidence that you'll ever see that you're saved. If you're still living your way, your life, don't tell me you're saved. What are you saved from? What are you saved from? Jesus delivers us from our flesh so we can serve him and do the things he planned for us long ago. Not so we can stay serving ourselves. Jesus didn't have to go to the cross for that. And that's what's wrong with churches today. And that's why this one ain't full. Because they want to hear your best life now. Go make investments. Go be happy out there. Go get what you want. Go name it, claim it. It's yours. That's okay. When they all got in the ark. How many people got in the ark? Eight people made it before he flooded the earth. He says the gateway that leads to life is long and difficult. And very few ever find it. The gate, right? The road that leads to life. You know why it's long and difficult? Because the crucifixion process to get to the road that leads to life is hard and painful. That crucifixion process is long and painful and tedious. Because we don't give up that easy. But when he puts the spirit in you, you just can't sit, you can't not, not do it. I've suffered more as a Christian than I was living for the, when I was living for the devil. The devil was blessing me. The devil will bless a Christian too that's inactive and sitting in the chair doing his own thing. Then they're proclaiming Christ. I'm a Christian. And they're saying, you are? You sure you want to tell people that? Full of what? Lawlessness and self-indulgence. You know, you know what really bothers me as a preacher? Is a lawless Christian. A lawless Christian. Saying we don't have to obey the laws. Jesus died so, so we don't have to obey the laws. No, Jesus came to fulfill yeah. the law, not, not crush it. You still obey the laws of the land. Respect the government that God puts in front of you. And do the things that they ask of you. So you can live a rich and satisfying life down here. Because it's under control of the evil one. Jesus says if you follow the laws of the land, you'll be okay. Just like he told them when they went to Babylon. Remember he told them, follow their ways and you'll be alright. When I put you in captivity. But if you don't, you're going to get slaughtered over there. He told them to follow the rules. And he tells us to follow the rules too. For our own good. Think about being a rebel down here. How good? How's that working for you? Be, a law, be lawless. Be a lawless Christian down here. See how far that gets you in, in this world. Go ahead. Well, I'm a, I, I, I don't have to follow the law. I can do whatever I want. Just go try to do something. Go try to rob. Go try to steal something. And see if you don't have to. I'm a Christian. See if they let you go. <laughs> Go ahead. That's, no, but that's what the teaching does to people. It makes them not follow any of the laws. I'm under God's, I'm under God's grace. I don't have to follow anything. What Bible are you reading? It tells us to respect the government he put in front of us. 
Everything that anything that puts that is put in front of us is put there by God, the Bible says. And we're to honor and respect it. You go to work, you go to work for Jesus. Every day. You honor your friends and neighbors as you would honor Jesus. No, that's a long haul there, isn't it? Work in progress. All right, let's keep going. All right. So I sacrifice I have other sheep too. Look at verse 17. The Father loves me. Why does the Father love Jesus? Because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus claims to be the Son of God. It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. Or colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. Here it is right here. The proof. See it? The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. The proof that you're a Christian is the work you do in Jesus' name. That's the proof that you're a Christian. Don't ever forget that. That's the proof. Can I get an amen for that? That's the proof. You You want to question your salvation? The proof is the work you do for Jesus, that you are saved. A changed life. That's the evidence, the proof. Because when you believe something, you become something. If you don't believe something, you never become it. Okay, get an amen for that. Okay. So it's just not that easy to believe. Everybody says, oh, just believe it. And you're going, no, no. When you believe it, you become it. There's no, you can't separate that. When you believe it, you become it. You don't believe it, you don't become it. When you leave here, you become like Jesus. And you learn his word, and you learn to do his will, and you do it with great gratitude and joy. Because he crucifies your flesh for you. He does for you what you can never do for yourself. Can I get an amen for that? And why does God give us grace and mercy? Because it's not that simple. It's not that easy to get on this road and deny ourselves. We don't use it as an excuse to keep sinning. We just understand the weakness of our sin nature. That we need grace and mercy to do it. But don't think that using that, saying, Oh, I know I'm going to heaven. I'm going to go do what I do all the time, gives you a pass. It doesn't work that way. No. That means you don't believe it. Quiet. You're quiet because it's true. It's true. When you believe something, you become something. If you don't believe it, you become, you keep yourself, you stay alive. When you become, when you give yourself to Christ, you become like Him. When you don't give yourself to Christ, you stay yourself in selfish ways. 
You still want what you want when you want it, when you don't get it, and you get mad and you get angry. Can I get an amen for that? Ooh. That's hard. No, I can do all things through Christ who strength. It's hard in the flesh, easy in the spirit. Look, if you want to please Jesus, he gives you all the power to do it. If you want to please yourself, he never takes away that option. Have you not noticed? <laughs> I can't understand myself sometimes. I want to do something wrong and I can't. So where the heck did that come from? I used to I used to love to do something wrong and get away with it. Now I can't stand it. Something happened to me. I didn't do anything to fix that. Jesus did it. He put his spirit in me. But he never takes away the option for me to go do it though. Just like he never takes you if I want to go if I jump in front of a car, I'm gonna get hit by it. Yeah. He never takes away your free will. It depends what you want to do. His will or yours. All right, let's keep going. Look at verse 26. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. Here it is. Look, let's go to 25. Let's go forward before we close. Jesus replied, I've already told you you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and He is more powerful than anyone else. You see it? <laughs> Listen. You know how much power you have tonight? In Christ. You cannot do this in the flesh. He says, you, let me just, I want you to leave with something here. Listen to what it says. My, look at verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. What do you mean? No, once you start following Jesus, no one can take them away from him. Look, if you're saved, nobody can snatch you away from him. Nobody can. But if you're not saved, you get snatched away real easy. And you go back into the world again. Once you, once Jesus owns you, He protects you until you go home to be with Him. Praise God. Amen? Praise God. He's the one who does it. But if you don't believe it, you're out, you're not, don't you fall under, under the, under, not out of His, you're out of His protection. He can't protect you. He only protects you if you believe it. He's more powerful than anything else. Still others read regarding that which my Father has given me is greater than all. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. You see it? There's the Trinity right there. The Father and I are one. Let's just keep going a little bit. We'll close. The Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? Then you say, well, the preacher like me, preaching truth to everybody, right? Which one of you want to throw rocks at me when you want to live for the devil? I don't like that guy. I can't stand what he's preaching. One thing we never do here is take anything out of context. I read the scripture all the way through. All the way to, I don't jump around because you can make scripture go with scripture, but it's in a different context. 
You can get tripped up real easy that way. But when you keep it line by line, verse, you, it stays in the context it was supposed to be given. Amen. Simple. Yep. Amen? Amen? You can't really compare it that way because some of the scriptures in a different context. Yeah. And it means something different at a certain context. Yeah. You've got to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. But we don't do that here. We read it all the way through. And if somebody has a problem with me, no, they have a problem with God. Not with me. Not with me. And then you have to say to yourself, well, if I have a problem with him, I have a problem with God. Maybe I should settle it. Maybe I should go talk to God about this. Say, Lord, there's something wrong with me. I don't like the words you're telling me. My sheep hear my voice. Well, maybe you're not a sheep. Very simple. Because it says, people that belong to God listen gladly to the words of God. All of them. All of them. Not the ones they want to hear and pluck. All of them. From Genesis to Revelation. And it tells us how depraved and wicked we all are. And that's why Jesus came. And how wicked we all can be even after we get saved. (laughs) That's proof, right? The proofs of what? The flesh. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But... We come here, we're growing spiritually. Because you cannot not grow spiritually if you're getting truth. It starts to emanate into your life and you start to say no to the things that you used to say yes to. And there's nothing in you. You just outgrow it, like I said before. You outgrow your sin nature. Because now you have a new nature. You want to do things to please God, now not yourself. Again, amen. All right, we're going to stop there tonight, all right? Thank you. And um, don't pick up any stones and try to kill me tonight, okay? Verse 31. (laughs) the girls are going to come up and sing and we're going to close
Do we ever need him? Amen. Amen. Mary, you want to close this tonight? Oh, why did I think you were going to call me? Do I have to go fast? Well, yeah, just so they could hear it. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for listening to me tonight with Pastor John. He always uh, gives us a, a message that we can go home with and ponder on, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. I thank you so much for all the people in our uh, congregation, and I hope everybody has traveling mercies on the way home. And I say all these things in the Holy Ghost's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Till we meet again. God bless. Peace.